Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast hosted by Corey and Shauna Burris. They are a former pastor, a college teacher, and Pacific Northwest coffee lovers. Mostly, they are Jesus followers who find themselves in lots of interesting conversations with non-Christians, former Christians, wondering Christians, and young adults from all kinds of backgrounds. And we want to invite you into those conversations. The Bread and Cup podcast is a place for real talk about the Bible, life, and what it takes to move beyond the easy answers. So let's grab a cup and join the conversation. Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast. Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Shauna. And today we are doing Riesenkl, which is a Danish rice pudding. And every once in a while, on very special occasions, uh, when it is freezing cold outside, we will eat that for dinner. It today amounts, was that day. And today was that day. And so that's, that's yeah. what we're having. And it's a little late in the day today for us. So um, we're not drinking coffee. Drinking Some of water. us have to get up for work in the morning and it's going to be early. Right. So. so water it is. but Yeah. So not your but, traditional bread and cup. Offerings, no, but neither bread n- nor coffee, which yeah. seems to be the thing we persist in. We really should have had a glass of wine. That, that would have been, oh man, missed course, opportunity. Of the end of this podcast would have been real, <laughs> real hot. Real missed hot. opportunity. So we are talking today, Corey, about uh, the magic prayer. We teased this a little bit last week, um, sort of as it relates to that idea of uh, how we see other people and if we see them as horribly flawed and broken and then the need for sort of that instant fix right right um and so yeah so do you want to define what that is yeah i I think that like the most simple terms is that thing that happens at least in our churches that we went to growing up is that event that happens that at the end of the service the pastor gives a uh a an emotional plea and talks about like if anyone in this room would like to, you know, come to Jesus or receive salvation or, I mean, there's tons of different ways it's presented, right? Yep. And then they have people raise their hands and then they have people sit in their seat and they pray something and repeat after me is what yep. we always grew up with. Sometimes they do, don't do that as much now as they used to. Yeah. But then they have, you know, either the entire congregation or the people that raise their hands repeat after me. Yep. And then there is this... Um, do you remember... Because I mean, we've been honest about how old we are. But do yeah. you remember in the like probably early 90s when tracks were really common? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember there being a whole series of tracks that would have this, what we call the magic prayer, on the track. Yeah. And then you were supposed to just like leave them yeah. wherever you went. And the reason we call it the magic prayer is because it was this... Um, win all button right that was kind of like you you said it and all of a sudden you're saved you're you're you know before that you're terrible and after that all things are fine and dandy kind of that's the way it was presented i don't know that that's you know i don't know that that's always what it was meant to be by even the person presenting it but that's the way it sounded like in many ways well and i think i think that sounded enough like that that that's persisted i've had people say to me well you know, grandma or my friend or so-and-so, and this might be wandering into sort of that, a more Calvinist view, which our our church denomination is not. Um, but the idea of once saved, always saved, right? But, but this prayer, anytime somebody would say that 
prayer, right? Um, raise their hand, come to the altar, read it off the track, whatever the version was. That that was the sort of, and we call it the magic one because they went from not being a Christian to being a Christian. And I mean, in fact, we saw a commercial from Franklin Graham just a couple weeks ago where he. Yeah. supported this where he said if you have not prayed this prayer or if, you know pray this prayer with me right now and your eternity is secure yeah like, literally bing bong magic right and i but i so i want to defend the magic prayer to some extent before we dismantle the magic prayer for if, <laughs> absolutely you know I mean. yeah so so i think that like the the heart behind the idea that is, I think, and I'm, I'm, we can go into like where the Bible, some of the terminology sure. comes from, but like the heart behind it, I think, for many pastors is that it is actually that easy to some extent to start sure. a relationship, right? Sure. It is that there needs to be this, oh, okay, I'm choosing to yeah. follow. I mean, if you look throughout Ten the Bible. Ten years ago, the kids called it a DTR, define the relationship. Um, I don't know if dating people still use DTR? I don't think they do, but yeah. 10 years ago they used that term. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes you need to have this thing where you go, you know what, I'm done with that yep. and I'm going to start on this new journey, if you yep. will. And I think that there's some, there that, that clear cut and that yeah. clear line in the sand is a really healthy thing to establish. Sure, absolutely. I, I think that where it f begins to fall apart is that, um, it becomes the end game and not the beginning game. Yeah. You know, and it becomes this thing where we, often, even now, you know, churches will, that's, you know, well, we have next steps, things that you can do after you've done this, but really you kind of arrived now, right? And we yeah. celebrate, and I think there's a good thing to celebrate people beginning that journey. Yep. But we kind of stop there in yep. many ways. And I think that that is where we fell off. And I think that some of it is just kind of our simplifying faith down, trying, trying to make it simple and accessible turned into making it simple and, uh, for us, not simple for the person walking into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we didn't try to make the journey easier for them and help them understand things in a deeper, more meaningful way. We just said, well, you just did this and da -da, you yeah. know, kind of a thing. So, so I'm going to, you know, hey, listeners, we do our best to try to bring some notes to this. So what I'm going to do this time is I'm actually going to jump ahead to the end of our notes to talk about the historical and cultural components. And then we're going to go, we're going to back ourselves up and, and dig into the more biblical precedent for this. I'm not sure why I wrote the notes in this order in the first place. It's not very logical. So here is some of the history behind how we got to the magic prayer. Yeah. Okay. So Christianity did not take on this like one-for-one one action consequence view, um, especially not in the familiar version we have right now, until the time of the Enlightenment, which was like 1800s, right? Yeah. So in that time, um, we saw a bunch of other things happening. And this is, okay, before I get into this, let's put a little asterisk that you and I are white, we were raised in white middle-class homes in predominantly white churches. So when we say churches like ours, and when we see, say the history of the evangelical church, we're actually talking not about the global 
church. There's a whole bunch of other things going on in the global church. We're really talking about the European church. I just want to say that before I launch, because what I'm going to say is that in, in this time when we started to see Christianity taking this action consequence thing, we were also seeing a whole bunch of other things like scientific discovery and Darwin and all of these things that were impacting, we were beginning to see the behaviorist movement. And, and those things maybe came a little after that time started, right. but they were all factors because the people in power and the people that drove the major education institutions came to believe a couple things. One, that organisms evolved, that science was the um, concrete measure of how the universe worked and was therefore believable and reliable. And right around that time, um, we saw also this movement in philosophy sort of merging with psychology and, and sort of those science pieces coming together. And, and the dismissal of the idea of sort of consciousness and that this idea that humans were just a series of actions. Hmm. And so the church's response to that also in that time, you started to see a lot of movement, right? Like it wasn't just, you know, like Italian state in Italy and certainly there would be wars here and there, right? And yes, Rome conquered huge swaths and then backed off. But what we began to see is people actually migrating and being transitory and come the U.S. began to have a big piece in that, right? Suddenly there's this new nation that starts mucking with stuff and adding their own industrial um, and behaviorist concepts to everything else that was happening. I know that's a lot of boring history, but it matters because... Well, it, if I can say, like, yeah. it matters because... We talked about this one time when we were talking about spiritualism and spirit and like Pentecostal things. So oftentimes what happens in culture is a parallel to what God's doing in his people. So it's not necessarily, they aren't always contradictory, but they can feel contradictory. They can feel. And they're responsive to each other. Right. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so this, the shift in these major belief systems um, we shifted faith from this sort of deeply ingrained lifelong engagement of like the church is just part of who I am, right? Like, I mean, we've seen right. whole nations divide themselves based on Catholicism and Protestantism, right? Like you are, your faith is part of who you are, right? Right. And that started way before the 1800s and Enlightenment. Oh my goodness. And like, yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You look that at, was the norm. Yeah. I and mean, that's, that's why you went to from country to country. That's why you conquered things. That's why you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so in that time, then you start to see this shift away from it. And suddenly we have, we have this, we needed to have this mechanism of input output of faith and the sort of more capitalistic, more exploratory nature of humans um, meant that we had room for things like preachers. And in that spiritualist movement in those in the 20s and 30s, that's what Azusa Street was. That's what, yeah. you know, we saw the Foursquare movement born out of all of these revivals were sort of in the U.S., especially, and then in England too, these dynamic speakers bringing a message to people that maybe didn't have those sort of old school 
faiths. And they needed a way to make it simple and to count their effect, right? Mm. Yeah, and let me let me also challenge it in this idea that um, it became transactional. Yeah. And it became transactional because um, in many ways, culture, us, church, religion, everything was moving away from this micro, uh, like usually what would happen is you would have a small community and they would make this kind of commitment to hold each other accountable. You would have all these things. And and this is because what we would call communities now or tribes back then were only about 100, 150 people, which was a reasonable size. Yeah. Yeah, Like we're talking way back. But even when you got to cities that we call now, but you had ghettos within those, you had sections within those cities that those people all kind of clumped together as well. And so, so this idea that like, so there wasn't this individual stuff that was happening within a community. It was like, we came together, we're yep. making these decisions, we're following these things. Yep. When that moved away, then you had to have these individual ways for these kind of things to sprout up in the midst yep. of all of these things so that you weren't, because communities didn't make decisions together anymore. So. Yeah, exactly. And so then you have to have, so then you get this itinerant preacher model, right? The evangelist. Right. That's what the evangelical movement was based right. out of. It was, you know, for some reason people felt that people were becoming unchurched and needed to know Jesus. And so raise your hands, repeat after me, was a tangible, quantifiable, again, that's becoming important then, right? Yeah. Can you measure it? Because only empirically measured things were valid. So mm. you had to be able to, to measure yeah. what does success look like? Well, I, in, an evangelical preacher, went into a town and it was a town of 300 people and 150 people raised their hands and 50 of those people were healed and I can write that down and I can mark it and I can raise money and I can move on to the next town. And what this, this approach has persisted through our churches, even churches like the one we belong to that has been established for pushing a hundred years, you know, that, that this, it's been in the community a long time. There are deep roots now, but the concept of, um, bringing people in, telling them about the good news of the gospel, which is what gospel means. And we are mandated to share that good news. Right. But Sometimes when, especially when people push back against, well, you said some little prayer and then boom, you go to heaven, you know, it, yeah, it does feel nonsensical because we've come to the place as a culture and as a people to recognize that, yeah, it is so much more than that. Right. And it needs to be more than that because what the Bible called us to be was actually disciples. And a disciple means somebody who is near to Jesus, who is with, consistently walking with Jesus. Right. That's... Yeah. Know, James and John had to say yes when Jesus called them, but they weren't disciples because they said yes when he called. They were disciples because they walked with Jesus. And that's what and, I think we miss when we rely on. And I think what you're saying, you know, like Jesus, I mean, he's Jesus, but like Paul, Peter, when they went off and they did their own things, right? Yeah. They knew the growth of the people that they were talking with because yeah. they had relationship. And I think we've gotten in many ways we've gotten away from that yeah. because 
Um, I remember w- one of the first pastors that I worked for um, as a pastor, he said, you need to give an altar call or some type of action, like raising hands at the end of what, you, what you're saying. He goes, we do that so that we can know that the words that we're saying have impacted people's sure. lives. And I'm like, that makes total sense. But now when you think about it, and we, when we talk about it in this context, I, I kind of second guess that now and I go, oh, that's because... I don't actually know the people that I'm speaking to at a level that maybe that's where we should be. And I get yeah. it. If you're a pastor of a big church, obviously you're not going to know all 400, 500, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, But 4, your staff should have there a, you go. somebody somewhere. Like you might not know in the context of that service, but you absolutely should be able to talk to your staff and get a bead on how. Yeah. And I'm all for quantifiable success. Sure. But we don't want to be doing things that aren't helping people. Right. But I think that growth and numbers of people comes after the fact. It's not a leading indicator, yeah. right? It's a lag indicator. I don't know if you know much. Yeah. Like, Sorry, people. This is a very marketing term. There's lead indicators and lag indicators. Lead indicators are like, what are you going to get? What are you going to do? What's initially going to come out of it? Lag yeah. indicators are these things that like, as this thing plays out, Yep. What are those things that you're going to start seeing sprout up down the road, right? That's right. a very simplification of it. But that's that's essentially the same idea, right? Like we use salvation or the magic prayer as our lead indicator and not as our lag indicator. Yeah. And that is, um, I think that it does a disservice to the the purpose behind what we're doing. Yeah. Right. And it, it, does, a, it does a disservice to being a follower of Christ and what yeah. that means. Yeah, and I think you're you're right that that there are many people in our community and in our world that we care about. Some we even love. We have good relationships with them that do not share our faith, and that's one of their criticisms. Is like, well, it it's hard to distinguish Christians <laughs> unless they're telling you. And I think, yeah, that's a problem because really it should be obvious. And so I'm going to use that to pull towards Romans 10, 9, which is sort of the classic magic prayer verse. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we use that verse all the time. How we got the word saved, salvation, all of these things. That whole idea, confess with your mouth. Absolutely. Confess with your mouth. Just say it. Well, Sure. I confess important things with my mouth all the time. I do things like that child over there is my daughter. That is a confession with my mouth of ownership and relationship. I say the same thing when people ask me, are you married? I confess with my mouth. Yes, I am married to Corey Burris. He is my husband. That is a confession of my mouth. But that confession of my mouth comes after the establishment of the relationship. You don't confess to a to a crime you haven't committed. We watch a lot of crime mysteries in our house. Right. You confess to something that is in process or has happened. And that's what we see here in Romans 10. Verse 9 is actually a, is a conclusion. It's sort of a summary point where Paul has been discussing faith in Christ and the evidence of belief of Jesus' resurrection. He's been laying down, what does it mean to behave like a Christian? This verse is not an affirmation of the magic prayer, 
Rather, it describes how we can identify people who are already living in faith in Christ. Basically, those who are part of Jesus's kingdom, people who are near Jesus, are going to naturally talk about it. Mm. Not because they're out there saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Turner Burns holding the sign up right. <laughs> in it's, the corner. It, it's that it, in the same way that when we're having this discussion, you turn to marketing language. It's what you do all the time. So you confess with your mouth the position you hold, not because you're trying to, you know, win friends and influence people, to borrow from Covey, mm. but but because that's it, you're so close in proximity to what that is that eventually that reality falls out of falls right. out of your language. And that's the natural result. The natural result of our parenting, of us being foster parents, is when we're living it closely, even if we don't, even if we attempt not to sort of ban or declare it, eventually we have to confess it because it's so much a part of who we are. We can't explain our lives Hmm. without referencing our children, our marriage that we foster, and for us, our faith. Yeah. Not, and... And that, that's what Romans um, 10, 9 about. And then it, there's also the idea in Luke 23, um, verses 39 through 43. It's the story of the thief on the cross. And I love this verse in this context because it's another one I've heard used a lot to justify sort of the magic prayer. Yeah. Um, but, but really, this isn't... The thief was near Jesus. So we have that proximity. Right. And it is in God's infinite grace and mercy, he included a story to assure us that once again, it's by grace through faith, not by what we do. And that no more can you or I do enough good, live Christian enough lives to deserve being near God than a thief nailed to a cross can Mm. manage in his last 10 hours on earth. It's not works. It's faith. It's a desire to be near Christ. And so when that thief confessed that, he, he wasn't saying some sort of magic prayer to get him out of hell. He was telling this very real person next to him, I just really want to be close to you. And he's like, yeah, perfect. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. It's not about what you can do. I'm, I've got gotcha. you. Yeah. And what... And I think what some people, um, I think that again we go back to like what what was happening. Why did why do why do people want this kind of first step? I do think that sometimes people need to um, come out and just go. You know what? Ah. It's time. It's time. Well, it's why we have things like weddings, right? And that's what I was going to bring up back to is like a wedding is or graduation not, ceremonies. It's not like you go. You don't go to your wedding. You go. I got married. I'm done. Kind of a thing. I mean, you're done with certain things. You're done with those old things, the the dating world, that other thing. Except for by the time we got to our wedding. That was already stopped anyway. Yeah, Yeah, like our date, I mean, other than because we were, you know, sweet Bible school students, we didn't live together and then we did live together and all the things that, right? Yeah. that for us was a difference, but sort of fundamentally, the way that we we made decisions together, our cell phones were together, our bank accounts were together, our de- you know our planning was already 
together right. before our marriage, everything but sharing the home. Right. And frankly, we already had the apartment. It was already decorated. I mean, we were, I, I just didn't stay there. Well, for a lack of a better, our, our hearts were already given to each other. Yeah. Right? And so, and I think well, that, that. I guess I mean, we were already doing the that's habits. True. We were living yeah. out the habits of what it looks like to build a life together. Yeah. But I'm just saying that like, even like people that had to have, you know, I don't remember what your, your um, young people word, CRTs or whatever. DTR, divine <laughs> the relationship. I think that's actually archaic now. Okay. So the, well, the genuinely dating people, the people that have been married five years yeah. are like, yeah, everyone else is like, you're dumb and old. But, but it's, it's fine for you to be like, man, this was the moment. And yeah. I, I know that there are people even in our family and other things that are like, I remember the moment I decided, you know what? No, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm all in. I'm going to pursue this, yep. right? And we're not saying that that is bad. No. Or that that should be done away with or nope. anything like that. I think yeah. that that's the problem is, is like, we, I I would argue that there's validity on both sides of totally. the things. There's validity to, for a pastor to say, hey, who's ready to start making a walk? Let's talk about this. Yeah. But again, it's not the destination. Yeah. Right? And Dallas Willard talks about it um, like this. He says, that speaking of sort of this raise your hand moment where yes, it, it can be necessary, beneficial and good. And actually the, the Bible prescribes something exactly like that. It's just not raise your hand and pray. It's baptism. And what Dallas Willard says about the raise your hand and pray is that that moment should you, that the work of becoming a Christian should have been laid so well before that, hmm. that while that's a marker moment, there isn't an objective change because right. the person who, and that's what you and I talk about all the time, it's about proximity. This isn't about one way and then suddenly magically something else. This new life in Christ, eternity, it all starts right here, right now. And, and it happens in increments as much as being pregnant. I think there's a reason that Jesus and Nicodemus, when explaining it to Nicodemus, talked about new birth to be born again. Yeah. You don't get pregnant and give birth the next day. Well, unless you're, uh, what what's that show we've been watching? With the lady? Oh, WandaVision. WandaVision, right? Only on WandaVision does that happen. In our world, right. I got pregnant and it took nine months before we had a baby. Each day, that was a profound change to happen in 10 months. And yet each day, day by day, where these tiny incremental one day compared to the other didn't seem any different. Right. And that's the that's to me what I believe the Christian walk is. It's these tiny, almost imperceptible changes in how we think, how we see ourselves, what our identity, what our character, what our choices are, that, that God's rewiring that stuff. He's building something in us that's new cell by cell, moment by moment. And so is there a second where you go, oh my gosh, I think I might be pregnant or, oh my gosh, I, I hope think so. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not pregnant. We're not doing that. No, BT dubs, no. we're all done. Um, but, but like it, when you're in that phase of life, right. Or, oh my gosh, I think I might be in love with this person. There is that marker moment, but that marker moment happens as a, as a brilliant sudden awareness of something that has been happening all along. Yeah. And I think that goes to like those people like you were talking about, um, uh, the man on the cross, but like also like people that are on their deathbeds that are like, oh, they gave their life to Christ right before they died type of thing. M my guess is that journey started 
many Way years before, before yeah. that or t- a lot of time before that. And maybe it was when they found out they were going to die, you know, or sure. maybe they found out it was right after, you know, something terrible happened. But or where, maybe that's just when they bothered to tell you about right, it. And that, that's my like, thing. They, they like, might have been there for yeah. 10 years. And yeah. those incremental changes, again, you can't always see them, right? When you're working out, you don't necessarily see the day-by-day changes in your body, but there are massive changes happening. And that's what the Christian faith is about. It's not about this um, stimulus response or this one moment, next moment. Are there moments of decision? Sure. But being a Christian, being born again, it's a proximity thing and it's happening. It, it begins sometimes years and years before there's that aha moment. And in that aha moment, it needs to continue for the the rest yeah of so i would say this if forever if, if you're a christian out there and you are um you have somebody in your life i mean i guess this is the question maybe we should discuss is like what should our responses as christians be to people that are like i you know i want to follow christ right yeah that's awesome like i think there, it's okay you want to pray with them that's awesome i think totally. that is healthy i think there's a biblical precedent set before that there's all of those things but more than that that is somebody opening up the door for you to walk beside them yeah. on a journey yep and not to be like push the boat off to the ocean right no. and yeah. and to be like oh okay well this person is telling me this we got a long road ahead of us yeah and we need to be all in on that side of the things and on the other side if you're a person that has been you know, walking through life, wandering through things, and, and, and wants to get to that po- point of following something and following, in this case, Christ, now is the time where you go, oh, I need to find somebody to walk with me through this. Yeah. Like, this is not a journey you take alone, and this is not a journey that um, ends yeah. quickly. Forever. No, it's your, <laughs> yeah. well, and that's the whole idea of eternal yeah. life is it, it, Jesus yeah. said his kingdom is here and now. And the, the moment he died and was resurrected, his kingdom was there. So we're not waiting. We're not waiting for heaven to come. We get to start participating in it now Yeah. with the hope tag from last week. If you didn't hear that one go back and check on the hope one but with the thank you but with the hope that everything that is flawed about our participation in heaven now is going to come to the point where where the flaws don't exist anymore but that doesn't mean magically zapped from one place to another it's about participating in proximity to to jesus now and so so, i will add one more thing Oh, you go. So before you say that, I will say if you are a person, though, because I've had a lot of people that are like, oh, I said the prayer when I was in kid. I did that. I went through that, that um, ceremony of events. Right. And I nothing changed in my life. Yeah. Well, to me, I'm like, that's because you thought that the magic prayer and you were taught probably from the from the stage that the magic prayer was what was where was what you were trying to get to. Yeah. But that's not. Nope. And that if your who you are doesn't change and the way that you participate and try to grow closer to God doesn't change, then you never experience what Christianity is or what yep. Christianity was meant to be. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you are um, 
If you're looking for something actionable, uh, go ahead and close your eyes and repeat after us. No, just kidding. We're not going to do that. Um, Grab your Bible. And frankly, you don't even have to buy one. You can just download the Bible app onto your phone. It's an awesome resource. Check out some of the Bible projects. I haven't looked in a, in a physical Bible in many, many years. <laughs> so, I use our physical Bible because... I know. I tried it and I was like, ah, it's so much easier on the Bible app. Yeah. yeah. I don't like the app that much. But you can grab the app, start reading, and find a group of people who love Jesus and who are trying to look like him. Not just a church not just a religious expression that happens to, you know, talk about Jesus, but find people who are actually trying to look like him and live like him and then live life being discipled and being and discipling. Close that proximity. If you need help finding those people, you know where you can find us. At Bread and Cup Podcast on like social media networks and breadandcuppodcast.com. That's right. To join the conversation, like and subscribe, then find us on Instagram at Bread and Cup Podcast. You can also find us at our website and other social platforms linked in the show notes.